0: I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I wanna welcome you to my podcast, From Crisis to Connection. Each week on this podcast, my guests and I will give you and your loved ones resources and tools to heal from the crises of infidelity, pornography, abusive behaviors, and betrayal trauma. But we also talk about how to build and maintain healthy connection in your most important relationships. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad you're here. In the chaos that usually follows a discovery or the beginning of a couple's recovery process from betrayal, from sexual addiction, pornography addiction, or other types of major traumas and betrayals, one of the things that usually happens in this chaos is this whole blaming, assigning of blame, of trying to figure out who's responsible for what. So it's not uncommon for the person who's been discovered or who's come forward to feel like they they need everybody to do something so they can feel better. And even surprisingly, it can also flip around and the person who's been betrayed and traumatized can put their own healing in the hands of everyone else. And it comes from a really natural place of, of, I feel out of control, I'm reaching out for stabilization, can someone help me? But sometimes that can turn into a victim mindset. It can turn into a mindset that really has some problematic features, which, which is really the idea that I can't direct or be in charge of my own journey that I'm not responsible for the way I think, I'm not responsible for the way I respond to things. And that's a very dangerous direction to go long-term. Now, early on when things are chaotic and you're needing support and you're trying to figure things out, we do a lot of reaching and we encourage that. But as you settle in and recognize you've gotta take personal responsibility for your own healing, whether you're the one that betrayed or the one that was betrayed, all of a sudden there's a new level of freedom, a new level of permission of settling in for this journey. My guests today are Danny and Lindsay Pullman. They're both coaches. They both have been through this process themselves, and they work to help other couples and individuals really heal and take responsibility for their own recovery journeys. And I brought them on the podcast today because I do like the way that they talk about embracing your own personal recovery journey and really challenging the way you even think about and see yourself and your partner in this process. A lot of what they talk about is probably geared more toward people in the middle to later stages of this recovery process. By that, I mean, you're not dealing with the immediate aftermath. You're not in the chaos and crisis of discovery. There's a lot of safety and stabilization stuff that goes on in those beginning phases. So, you know, because this podcast is from crisis to connection, I like to talk about this middle area, middle, you know, this later space, this later period where you're really trying to get clear on. What is yours? What is your partner's? How you see things? How you think about things? Challenging your own ways of doing things, looking at your tendencies and reflexes. And I think Lindsay and Danny have some great stuff to share. And so in this discussion, we're gonna cover a lot of different principles and ideas around looking at and challenging and thinking about your own personal recovery journey in a different way. And of course, we take into consideration personal safety and other things that need to be in place so you can do this work. So there might be things in here that will be challenging and difficult to listen to depending on where you are in your journey. So hang in there, write things down if they feel challenging, stay with it, listen all, all the way to the end of the interview, because I think you'll find that there's some really great nuggets of truth, there's some great principles and some support that I think could be really helpful for you along, along your journey. So let's dive in to my interview with Danny and Lindsay Pullman. Danny and Lindsay, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey. hey, thanks.
0: Good to be here. Yeah. yeah. It's so great to be talking to you guys. And before we jump into talking about structuring people's recoveries and all that good stuff, will you guys introduce yourselves to my
2: listeners and let them know a little bit about your story? Sure. Yeah,
1: sure. yeah. Great. You want to go first?
2: Uh, sure. Yeah, I can start it off. I mean, I was the one that was looking at porn. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of how it started, right? Like I was, I'm LDS and in the church, we taught not to do that. And I was doing it despite my best efforts off and on for years and felt like a big fat failure and like I was stuck and like there was, you know, started feeling really hopeless at times. And, and I kept it from Lindsay for a while. And then I opened up to her one day about it. And that was a gutsy move on my part that I'm grateful I did. It freaked me out. I thought I might explode or die or something. Or that she might, you know, leave you, she might want to leave me or, and I was, you know, part of me thought maybe she should, you know, like I kind of agreed with that idea and I no longer, you know, feel that way about myself, but I was a painful spot to be just to think that way of myself. Like, you know what, like maybe I am no good as a husband because of this thing that occupies 0.0001% of my time. Right. Right. So (laughs) But well, that's where I was at. And I think a lot of guys in the church, especially can relate to that, but also out of the church, you know, people get yeah, stuck with this. And so I started opening up and and she had no idea. Uh, uh, no,
1: no no, not really. And I you- think the first year the first year of our marriage, he looked, I think he looked once, and he told me, and I kind of yeah. like froze and and freaked out. and yeah. And I think because of what he perceived, because of my response, like, and then also his perception, of my response, he was like, oh,
2: "Yeah, I, took I cannot, <laughs> right?
1: Like, I can't do that to her. Yeah. You yeah. know,
2: and then, yeah. you, you know, you listen along the way too, like, and you hear people's comments about people that look at porn. And some of them are like, oh man, yeah, they got divorced. He had a porn problem. And oh, she should have left him if he had a porn problem. Or, you know, you hear these things and, so there's a good reason people are scared of talking about this. But anyway, I, that's not to justify keeping secrets. It's just, you know, to understand and validate. And so I was good for a while with, without doing it. And then dental school stress and stuff a few you years like down the road, yeah, I, my habits ramped back up and, and yeah, started feeling really stuck and frustrated. So, we started getting help at first. It started out like, let's fix Danny so we can all be okay. Right. That's kind of, that was the mentality for both of us, I think. Mm -hmm. And like, let's like, there's something in me that's even broken or defective and let's fix it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like how we learned to think about this stuff. And, and it made sense to me to do it that way. So we started. And then as we went, we learned more about, you know, what there are ways to empower both of us through this process. And maybe you can step in there. What would you add at this point?
1: Yeah. I mean, I love how you just like went right. Like he just <laughs> went right in. It's like, I'm the guy who looked at for.
0: <laughs> right. Some and ownership yeah, there. Had, it's good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I, just a little bit about us is we're kind of, we're, you know, we both were raised in conservative Christian Latter-day Saint communities. We, <laughs> I feel like we're kind of like typical check the box couple. Like we were those types of people where we were like if we do these things and then life will be blank right and so did a lot of that stuff and I think for me I guess I can't speak for Danny but I think for me like we did a lot of those things and so you know we had three kids we bought the house you know in the neighborhood that we liked and Danny you know had finished dental school and I had gotten you know my advanced degree in accounting just like as my like fallback you know just all those things and so all of those things to me was like, Just what we needed to create the safe, certain life that we wanted. And then, you know, a few months after having our third child, that's when Danny told me about. So, we just bought our house and just had our third child. We had a two year old and a four year old, and he was about to buy into a dental practice and then told me about his (coughs) porn habits, which at the time felt just like a total dagger. Like, I can relate to any woman who just feels like something had been like turned inside of them, like turned inside out. And then from there, he had a bunch of mental health stuff come to a head too. Yeah. I think what I would
2: add at that point is like, I became even more disappointed (laughs) because, you know, we checked off all these boxes, all these kind of lifelong goals. Yeah. yeah. we worked toward for years and I was like, man, I still feel crappy a lot of the time and don't really know how to handle all that. And so I was like, okay, I'll fix the porn thing more effectively than ever. So I opened up to Lindsay Address it. Start quitting more seriously than ever with actual professional help, and and then I realized again that even when you check the porn box, (laughs) that doesn't even automatically fix all the other stuff. And so that's where some of my mental health stuff. I think my body felt finally safe and ready enough to like look at some of the stuff that needed to come up, and that was hard. I I didn't know a lot about mental health management at that point, and. My hands were shaking as a dentist and I had PTSD stuff, it turned out. But when it started happening, I was like, what the heck is going on? I can't even work in the yeah. job that I invested so much money and time to do. And I was horrified. It was yeah. a scary spot to be. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was scary. Like it was totally scary for both of us because I think we just had both thoughts <clears throat> so clearly like, do this then we get like this result of like safety and security and certainty. And so like both of us simultaneously that it felt like that rug was being pulled out from underneath of us from underneath in in different ways. Right. And then he started realizing that he had some childhood trauma that hadn't been addressed. And so like, after him telling about the porn, we realized there was like a lot of childhood trauma, anxiety, depression, yeah, which actually did kind of put the porn stuff on the back seat
2: yeah it kind of did for, um, it just became less of the focus. it was still yeah. a focus, just less of you know, yeah because I was having a hard time even functioning for a time there, harder to leave the house and anyway, I don't want to say this to scare people who decide to quit porn because yeah this stuff doesn't Definitely. come up in this way for everybody that does, right but you know part of why we do what we do now is because you know, I experienced how low and debilitating things can get with Mental health and trauma that is unprocessed or not taken care of or addressed in right. those ways, and and so you know, with all of the amazing resources we've found and and healing and empowerment along the way, like we just feel so strongly about sharing what we've learned from that whole process, right? Mm-hmm. And I know Lindsay went through her own journey through it as well, but that really impacted me. Like when she started doing the coaching thing. That's when before that I was like, What's a life coach? Life coach sounds stupid <laughs> and they're they're always the brunt of the jokes in the shows you watch or whatever, right? And and but I saw her do this particular coaching method and training, and she was transformed and I was like, Oh, she's just on a high from doing this conference, right? <laughs> she loves being social and being around people. But then the changes stuck. In this incredible way. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's something to this. I'm going to start listening to those podcasts and checking out this coaching stuff now. And that's when I started kind of up leveling my experience with empowerment, with changing porn habits, and what really got me unstuck, really, at that point. So,
1: but I think for me, it was that was prefaced by like a phenomenal therapist who really helped me with like grief work, acceptance, Mm -hmm. processing. Understanding compulsive behavior. And then I think so, that was, I was really resistant to therapy or getting any professional help in the beginning just because I had, you know, he stopped working. I got two part time jobs. I had a zero year old, a two year old, and a four year old. And I still remember a good friend of mine being like, you need, like, maybe you could get some help too. Like, I'll watch your kids. And I was like, I don't have time. Like, that's the last thing. But it ended up being the thing that really helped me in the very beginning, you know, when I was exhibiting a lot of like PTSD like symptoms it helped me with a lot of that grief. And then eventually be grounded enough to kind of step into mm-hmm. more of the coaching stuff. But the coaching stuff was good for me because it helped me stop pouring all my energy into like how I thought his recovery should look or how it wasn't looking because I was there. It got to a point where I was getting resentful and like him mm-hmm. not healing on my timeline.
0: <laughs> right.
1: So it was really helpful for me to just kind of start thinking like, well, where is my power? Where do I have control? And what that did is I think it helped him have a space to kind of feel out his own healing and kind of what he wanted for himself instead of maybe, I don't know, I can't tell me if I'm wrong, but being so focused on my reaction to whatever he was doing or not doing that it might've kind of whatnot. I mean, let's, as far as I'm saying that, but also... We're both taking complete responsibility for our behavior at the same time. Or so. continually
2: trying to even <laughs> Yeah, it's, like, not, yeah it's not yeah, it's not helpful.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's helpful to draw straight lines either direction, right? To say like it doesn't have an impact and mm-hmm. it also to say it does it's like the impact. I think it's there's a lot of moving pieces yeah. and people, you know, we all we all are affected by so many things. And so I think in terms of breaking it down and and that's like you like you guys recognize like that's not where we would start with somebody who's very early in the process. Yeah. Um, really. There's a lot of other steps that have to happen before you can start to sort <laughs> that stuff out. But you're right. Mm-hmm. I I love the the push to really understand that when this comes out or when you start to really take it seriously, it really starts a whole new journey for both of you and it's it's not something that, you know, you just drive him over to the mechanic and drop him off and, you know, wait <laughs> to get a few things tightened up and then like release him to the wild and then life will be wonderful. It just, doesn't work that way.
2: Yeah. <laughs> if it could
1: work that way, I would have figured it out. Like.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. We think we, we both, we spent thousands of dollars trying to figure it out. So I, with what you said, I, I mean, though, what I think of after what you said is, you know, there are a lot of ideas about this kind of behavior and there's the addiction model, which is, you know, sometimes based on kind of like the disease model. And even though there's so much benefit that can come and understanding that can come from that, I think if we stop there, at least for me, that we can get hung up on some things, right? Like, I actually have found it personally at a certain point to, instead of saying, you know what, this is a disease and it's a relapse, the disease is getting worse as a relapse when you go back and do it again, right? Right. I've actually found it much more useful at a certain point to shift into, you know, it's just a skill that I haven't learned yet, right? Like it's not, it doesn't have to be for everybody. And I know there are varying levels and and whatever works not and is for useful sure. for you for where you're at is what I say, like, go do that. Right. And it can change as you go. Right. But at a certain point shifting into, okay, maybe I'm not defective or broken or diseased, maybe it's really just about some skills that I don't have yet at this point. And yeah, I love that. I just find that so much more empowering and and light. And you can find more ease in the process of change as you're working on it too. It's a little more playful. Well it's certainly more hopeful. Every,
0: right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean it just really opens up it opens up a path instead of just believing that, you know, you're destined for failure. I mean, I do I do not subscribe to the once an addict, always an addict thing. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. though I do a lot of people ask me, you know, am I an addict? Whatever. And I'm saying, you know what? If it, if it really helps you step into some deeper accountability yeah. um, and it really helps you face the, you know, and own what you're what you're stuck in, then yeah, let's call it that. If it's going to keep you so bogged down in shame and believing that you're a loser and you can never change, then I think we need to talk about it a little bit differently. My yeah, dad yeah. my dad, yeah. my dad always says, he goes, Jeff. I don't believe in failure. I just believe in experience. And so, <laughs> That's good. he's like, I've oh, had yeah. lots of business experiences. That's what he told me one time. <laughs> And And yeah. uh, my dad, my dad's a very wise person and, and a very savvy businessman, but it's because of all of the failure quote experiences that he's had. And I think that that applies to almost anything. I agree. Like recovery and living a life of recovery and healing, it's a skill that has to be practiced. It's not something that any of us are you know, necessarily taught or born with in terms of mm-hmm. you know, I just think that an attitude of growth, a growth mindset, the willingness to look at things both for both for the husband and the wife is essential. Instead of just sitting around hoping time will heal it or just stopping the one behavior will fix everything, like you discovered, Danny, it's so it's just symptomatic of deeper work that has to happen.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. The the way I like to describe it to people that come to me is like, you know, a lot of them will say Hey, I want you to help me quit porn to make my life better. Mm -hmm. Right. And what I tell them is it actually ends up being the opposite a lot of times. Right. Like, how do we make your fully engaged, full human emotional experience so much more what you want that porn just becomes less and less relevant? Right. Right. And even irrelevant at a certain point. And I love that question because I think it represents well kind of the process that. For me, has been required to find sustainable change, where you actually can learn to let go of it for the last time, instead of always wondering, like, oh, when's it going to come back?" And it's hopeless, and it's going to come back at some point, and there's no way out of this. You yeah, know? you're totally changing your
0: relationship to it, and and really the purpose that it served in your life. Yeah, and yeah, you just end up breaking up with it basically over time, and a lot of times. It's like a really controlling, jealous, you know, ex that just wants to, you know, keep sh- showing up. But you change the relationship. Do you understand, you know, what it was doing for you and what it's now not really able to do anymore? And I agree, it's a very gentle undoing instead of kind of this violent, you know, I'm done forever and you're so horrible and I'm a bad person and I mean that kind of a relationship just really in a lot of ways just drives deeper the shame and I don't think it gives you any sort of insight to why it even showed up in your life and what it meant.
2: Oh yeah. 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 And like when you talk about your dad's take on failure, like that's like one of the most useful things you can use in mm-hmm. this kind of habit change is that's like right. why are we assuming that the word failure is a negative thing? Right. <laughs> right. What am like, I learning? What am I Where did that yeah. come from? Does it have to be? And maybe it's actually not at all. And what if we use it to our advantage along the way, right? It's not about avoiding failure. It's about learning to use it to your advantage, to step forward, move forward in your progress that you're going for, right? And there are ways to do that that are such a game changer when you're willing to adopt that kind of long game. I'm just going to keep going as long as it takes to like get where I'm going, right? Like as soon as you adopt that long game approach, the ironic thing is, is it just speeds everything up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know?
0: yeah. that is the paradox for sure. And Lindsay, I mean, I, I'm sure you you hear this a lot from a lot of the partners you work with, but a lot of the times I think when we talk about learning from mistakes and we talk about building in this permission to learn and understand and, and even at some level accept that there's going to be some face plants along the way. For a lot mm-hmm. of the women I talk to, this is so hard to tolerate for them. This is so difficult to almost feel like there's now permission to screw up. There's permission to make mistakes. There's permission to basically enable bad behavior. And so many so many of the women just feel like now they're feeling even more hopeless and powerless and almost like they're being asked to put up with something that's so difficult and so painful. And Mm -hmm. what would you say to that?
1: It's a great question because I do remember feeling that way and being like, wait, what? Like you say there's going to be like, that relapse is normal, you know? But I think... I think sometimes we forget to take into account that we're the humanity in our healing and what human healing looks like, not robotic healing, right? And even though it was really hard for me to, to stomach in the beginning, I think the, the thing that to keep in mind is that before learning that, I think we were all re- we had already been adopting the mentality that it should be this cold turkey automatic stop. And was that getting us either of us results that we wanted, right? Mm-hmm. Like adopting the robotic mindset where it should just end, was that working? And I, I would say in most cases, it usually hasn't worked. It hasn't gotten helped the guide to to stop looking porn at porn. And again, it's focusing on the behavior ahead of like the mindset, right? Mm-hmm. And usually, like Danny said, I, love, I mean, I love the idea of again when we put the mindset before the behavior. I really I just love how it eludes the idea of like putting yourself first, taking care of you and like who you are as a person, because then that behavior that we do want to stop becomes more it just kind of organically stops by loving ourselves first and not thinking that the behavior has to stop before we give ourselves that permission. So
2: what helped you to kind of make that shift?
1: mm, I still like I kind of I feel like I still remember like learning learning it and being really frustrated and like oh, yeah. having some resistance to it.
2: Not wanting to let it go. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm trying to like go back to why specifically I didn't want to let it go. But I think just recognizing that like, it's just part of what recovery looks like. And just, I think just accepting that and accepting that it's okay for me to not know the why behind, right? Because I think for a lot of women, I'm not, I obviously cannot speak for all women, but I would say most partners that I work with we just don't understand porn. We don't understand this type of compulsive behavior. We, to us, it's not something that you know we're right. we're looking at. We're usually compulsive around social media or cleaning our house or something like that. And so, I think just understanding it's okay for me to not know what I don't know, and also I don't have to understand the how, like how everything is going to hold, like unfold, and also understanding too that like. Any control that I thought I had over my husband was more of an illusion of control anyway. And so it's not even like releasing my control of his recovery. It would be like releasing the illusion of control that that. I might have thought I had. Like when you you
2: talk about permission, like giving permission to your spouse to look at porn as part of their learning process, right? Like the permission is already there and it's always been there. (laughs) Like we actually always have permission to look at porn whenever the heck we want, right? Like that that's like the reality of it. But right. like Lindsay said, there's this illusion that we have of like, well, maybe even for me, like, I think I thought that I didn't have permission to look at porn. And I, I work on this with guys a lot. Like I didn't fully own that it is always an option. And the funny thing about that is, is the more that you like... Acknowledge that it is an option and it always is and always was and always will be. Like it actually frees up this space that is a lot more powerful and you get to do with it more what you want. It even makes it less attractive because for some reason, when we tell ourselves it's not allowed, there's a part of our brain that seems to then find it more like, you know, forbidden fruit more attractive or something. That's right. Something.
0: Yeah. We, we but, tend to be drawn yeah. to what we can't have. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, l- I love that. And I, I agree that there is this illusion of control on both sides and Mm. really surrendering that is a huge step forward in recovery. And Lindsay, like you're saying, especially for partners where there's so much suffering that comes from believing that somehow their anger, their checking, their all these things that are totally understandable and normal responses to feeling unsafe and feeling and being in trauma Mm -hmm. ultimately have to be released, have to be let go for there to be true healing. And I'm, I'm just as patient as you are with anyone in this process who will take a long time in some cases to, to settle into that, but we still hold it up as the goal. We still hold it up as the, the yeah. ultimate destiny, which is, I yeah. recognize that you feel like you need to do this now because it helps you feel safe, but can we gently start to introduce the idea that you'll actually feel better releasing this and recognizing that he's got to work his own process and you've got to work yours. <laughs> And you can uh-huh. actually still share the same journey. It's, it's a strange, strange sort of reality to embrace early on, Yeah, but yeah. nonetheless, that's where we want to point people.
1: Yeah. And I love the idea of just like having something to tether yourself to, Yeah, like to where so you want to go so. and, and as, as an individual and as a couple, mm-hmm. and then just like allowing for the nuance of, of where you are in that too, because it's going to be so different for every human.
0: Right. You know? So in terms of, and again, and I, and I also just always say this to everybody and I'll say it now and forever, which is, you know, you guys and, and certainly me as the host here and, and as a therapist, like I'm the last person to ever decide for somebody what they can take or what their limits are. And some people show up in my care, you know, after battling this for years and years and years and years, and they're so exhausted and like, they just literally feel like they can't do it anymore. and as much as I want to save every relationship or encourage everyone to keep going, I also honor that sometimes people have to do what they have to do. And so as you're listening mm-hmm. to this, please don't add this to any more shame or judgment or belief that somehow you're you're just a huge loser and a failure if you feel like you need to do something that might go the opposite of, you know, keeping things together. How do you guys feel about that? Is that kind of where you guys are at as well? Totally. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. 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 In short, yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes the thing is, is like, no matter what people decide if, you know, whether it's like how your marriage ends up or doesn't end up, you know, what if we can be making those decisions from a place of clarity and love and compassion instead of, you know, fear and and whatnot. And to me, any therapy or coaching that you are getting, if it can get you into that space where you can make decisions from that space, like, that's where I think the money is, you know?
0: Right. Because there's a lot of people that stay and don't feel peaceful. And there's a lot of people that leave and feel peaceful. I mean, if the goal is to feel free, to feel peaceful, to feel centered, feel clear, then, you know, whatever you end up needing to do for your particular circumstance will be the right thing. I just believe that. Yeah. I'm 100% with
2: you.
1: I do too. Because it's not about like getting Mm -hmm. to this space. And maybe this is what, I don't know if you're alluding to this, but like, you Know with coaches, we talk a lot about mindset work, but like that's not just the thing mm-hmm. that can create the safety. Sometimes we do need to change up those circumstances to create the safety and peace. Yep. And you know, that we need. And it's just so nuanced and different that I would never want to say I know exactly what the capacity is for any individual.
0: And that range, think, yeah, go ahead, Danny.
2: Oh, I think what I would add to the mix here with what we're talking about too is for. You know, for the partners, if divorce happens, right? And if the story is, I'm divorcing you because of your problem with porn, I think what I would offer to those people, to the partner who had the porn problem, is that that's just, that's still just the story about it. And it's not necessarily the end all be all truth. It's like, because you have a porn problem it doesn't automatically make you unworthy of being loved or being a husband or a good husband, right? It doesn't mean that you don't love your wife automatically if you have a problem with porn in this kind of way, right? I think I just want to kind of offer that idea for people in that situation. Like Even if that's the way the story goes or that other people like telling it, it doesn't mean you have to buy into this idea that Oh, yeah. I have a porn problem, so I'm not worthy to be a husband or a father mm-hmm. or a good one, right? Yeah, that would
0: be a tragedy to me because no. the men that I've worked with over the years and the women that have struggled with pornography in particular discover a deep, deep well of goodness and capacity and compassion and commitment and fidelity. Like they, They can tap into the truth of who they are as a person, and that's been there the whole time. And the pornography oh, right. the pornography, and the behaviors that go with that, which oftentimes include other challenges that, you know, that undergird it, really just separated them from like seeing the truth of themselves. And yeah. uh, and so, yeah, we would hate for someone just to believe that a behavior defines who they are as a person.
2: It's just not true. Yeah. 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 So, even if the story goes that the divorce happened because of porn, like there's always so much more to that, to a decision than just that, right?
1: Yeah. And I would just offer to I think that's why I'm such a fan of doing any work for yourself individually, because then the story can sometimes be I, I just want a more intimate connection with my partner. Mm -hmm. I just want to feel more safe. And then it gets to be about you and not what someone else isn't doing is or isn't doing, you know, and so I feel like that's just like, I think it's a lot more powerful to like step into that space with yourself, to know that it's okay to just want something for you and be willing to go there. And then, I don't know, I just feel like making it more about you instead of like what they're doing or not doing feels more, I don't know what the word is, more grounded. Yeah. I guess.
0: And it doesn't mean you can't have boundaries. Yeah. It doesn't mean you can't have boundaries. It doesn't mean you can't, like you said, change your context or change your environment or make Mm -hmm. some adjustments to help you get your balance back. But taking ownership of what you need is, mm-hmm. is so much more healthy and I think in terms of long-term changes for yourself, it's going to drive a better outcome instead of just kind of hitching everything on what they do because right. then you can, you can obviously guide your life so much better if you know exactly <laughs> what you will and won't tolerate instead of just kind of waiting and hoping that they'll just behave better.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like in my experience with this kind of work, like- two things are so crucial to me. It's one, like let yourself go at your own pace. Right. But also number two, um, you got to start by creating safety for Mm -hmm. yourself, right? Like safety is where it's got to start. Something that was helpful for me, like particularly with my PTSD and I had a hard time feeling safe for a long time, um, was recognizing that, um, a lot of our safety as adults actually is created by the way that we think rather than the actual circumstances around us. So, yes, you can create safety for yourself by it's a mix, right? Like setting boundaries and, um, or even taking space in certain ways that you need to in a relationship, sure. right? Like, and so there's that piece, and it's so important. And don't skip it, and that can change as you go too. But then there's also the mindset side of it And, and the more that you can kind of identify what are the thought patterns that I have that make me not feel safe to sort of shift or change in these ways that I want for me and then how do I make that safer for me to do so, it goes such a long way. I think I'm just... The point I'm trying to make is like, honor your pace, let yourself go at your own pace and that's one of the ways to create safety for yourself. And then also like just have that question in mind, like how can you create safety for yourself? That's like a good starting point for people with this stuff, I think. Yeah. What do you guys think?
1: So I have a question for Jeff. Sure. Before I lead into that, I love what you were saying about your own healing experience. Because one thing I will offer for my clients is like when our spouses are healing, I mean, we're doing our healing, but also sometimes what we see isn't what is, right? And so I just think like affording our spouse, the, just like the idea that like what we see isn't what is right. So there was a, there was a period of time where, <laughs> where Danny was like just gaming like all the time. And in my brain, I was like, Oh, like this is a secondary addiction and blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's not gaming. Now it's food. And I remember just being Basically,
2: like... Basically, I started getting serious <laughs> about quitting porn and I gained 40 pounds. And then I started losing my weight and I started gaming a lot. Right. And it was kind of all the same... Yeah, whack-a-mole. Right. Patterns, <laughs> just, yeah, it was the same patterns underlying, but different outward right. symptoms of the... <laughs>
1: yeah. Yes. So yes. And like hindsight... I think a lot of what was happening is like his amygdala working on overdrive because he's covering from some childhood trauma, right? And so he was exhausted. He did look exhausted. He wasn't helping around the house. And there was a lot of frustration from my end. And so that's one thing is, it's like, how can we afford them their path of healing, like that space there and recognizing what we see isn't necessarily what is while maintaining our safety, Right. And then I guess my question for you, I mean, you, of course, if you have a comment about that, my question for you is also too, like when there's emotional abuse going on in the marriage, sometimes it's not just about affording that. And sometimes I guess, you know, for you, I feel like that's, that's a space where sometimes we do need to change circumstances to create our safety instead of just say that it's all about mindset work.
0: Yeah. No, I'm right. And I'm glad you said that Lindsay, because I, I think that a lot of the times people, a lot of, women in particular that that listen to conversations like this. And hopefully anyone who's listening to this and might feel like some of the earlier discussion may have been tough to listen. Hopefully you're still here listening because what I want to say, and in response to your really great question, is that mindset work is critical throughout the whole process, but it becomes easier to access when you feel safe.
1: Exactly. And
0: so- Safety is always first, and Danny, you said that earlier. Safety, safety, safety. So if you've got someone in your in your zone who's firing, you know, bullets—hopefully not literal, <laughs> but but you know, sort of emotional bullets—and is yeah. really putting you in 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 harm's way in terms of breaking you down as a person. I think James Faust one time just described it as diminishing the dignity of another human being. Right? If if you've got someone who's really tearing you down and whether it's physically sexually emotionally abusing you and or your children no th- this is not the mindset is get to safety that's the mindset yes and so your your comment earlier what you th- what you see happening may not be actually what's happening this is not a time for that conversation yep this is not a time to kind of debate back and forth is is this you know is him calling me these horrible things or breaking things or or threatening is that really happening yes it's probably really happening so get to yeah. safety, get support, look at what's really happening. And that could include other abusive, addictive, problematic behaviors because, you know, are there people that hear things around mindset? Are there are there guys that struggle with different behaviors like infidelity or, or even addictive things and will basically say, yeah. hey man, I'm just in my process, like leave me alone, give me space. And they right. have zero intentions of changing anything and they just want to hide and make excuses. Absolutely. I see that happen. So- yeah. Yeah. Part of the, I guess my response to Lindsay is like, yeah, like if, if you see a pattern happening and it's destructive and you have plenty of personal evidence that this is totally destroying your family, your life, your marriage, then you need to take action and you need to do things to create stability and safety. And then Mm -hmm. dealing with the triggers that come with that. So much of what you're describing is trigger work and and understanding your own emotional world.
2: But yeah, fences have to be put up to protect you for sure.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I like it. And I, you know, for us, I think there wasn't uh, a lot of, there weren't safety issues really. I think for us, it was more like, yeah, we, we wanted to keep being around each other and Mm -hmm. seeing what we could make of this. Right. Well, and you wanted healing. And and we, and we honored that. And you you brought it to
0: her. You wanted healing. Like you opened up about it. Like you were trying to, you know, you were sick of feeling sick and you were ready to do something different about it. And, there are some yeah. cases where she's the one doing all the work and he's totally not interested or not willing and is just, or so stuck for whatever reason we can have compassion for, but the impact is still the same. And so you guys mm-hmm. are, are a great example of a couple who both were motivated and, and, you know, you driving that, Danny, makes a huge difference. So I hope people listening can keep keep everything in context and recognize that no sure. two couples are exactly the same and you have to understand the yeah. principles of what we're talking about.
2: Yeah, for exactly. Sure. Like there's yeah. so many ways to do it and it's going to vary from person to person yeah. and like whatever works for you. Right. Like I tried so many things through everything I went through. And yeah. A lot of the things I never would have imagined trying in my life. I was like, sign me up because I'll try anything. Totally. Yeah. Well, recovery and just like healing from what I was working through and like I've just become such a fan of like, there are a lot of different things that can work and whatever does work for you, even if it sounds crazy, let it work and yeah. do it.
1: Yeah. And I think just allowing space for your wants to change, right? Like some I people like come to me and be like, Whoa, like we see what you and Danny have done. That's what I want. And then, you know, four months and they might be like, wait, what if my wants are different? What if that actually might not be, you know, what if that's, yeah. what if I do something different and knowing that that's totally fine too.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. good that you had every, that clarity. Right.
1: Yeah. Cause everyone's journey is so unique. So.
0: Yeah. I love yeah. that. So let me, let me ask you guys this. What would you say, you know, for someone who's listening to this and saying like, well, you know, especially for a betrayed partner, like, like you said, Danny, a lot of, a lot of guys that, you know, are working through this, they know they've got a process. They know that they've got to stop this behavior. Sometimes that's where they think the road ends. Mm -hmm. But in terms of embracing like your own individual healing and really taking ownership of that, regardless of what your partner chooses to do, which can feel like a very scary thing because we do try and, you know, get in each other's business because we're just scared of losing the connection for all the reasons. What would focusing on your own healing look like and how do you
2: get there? So, Mm, yeah. Okay. A few things come to mind for me. Okay. I mean, number one, I remember being so focused on how I was responsible for all of Lindsay's problems. (laughs) Right. Right. And I was totally
1: okay with him. Yeah.
2: We agreed. (laughs) That was kind of a match. Right. And it's perfect. um, Right. You fix me and we'll just, yeah.
1: We go back to normal. That's great. I don't have to
2: look at anything. (laughs) Yeah. And that got in the way of my healing. So the more that I, learned to let my stuff be mine and her stuff be hers, which can be a really layered process and a practice. It was it was hard for me to learn, but it stemmed from me learning to up-level my relationship with myself, basically to love and accept myself more right where I was at with the porn or without the porn, right? Like the more I up-leveled that relationship with me, the more natural it became for me to be like, Hey, you know what? Like, <clears throat> This pattern of how we're talking about me right now, that doesn't work for me anymore. And if we continue that, I'm going to actually walk away from the conversation and come back when we're ready to do it without that. Right. 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 And, and that was kind of adjustment for Lindsay too, because we kind of had this dance routine that we've gotten used to, but that was an important part for me in the healing. And, and then the other thing that comes to mind is like, if I were to dumb it down, I tell my... People, this all the time. Like, if we dumb down this habit change stuff into two simple steps, right? It takes two things. (laughs) Number one is learn to love and accept yourself right where you're at, at every step along the way, and every step you're going to be at and where you've been, right? Like, that's number one. Self
0: compassion. Yeah, for
2: sure. Yeah. And then number two is learn how to feel the feels, learn how to feel any feeling that comes your way without feeling the need to run from it or react to it or escape from it. Like if we can learn that skill of feeling any feeling that reacting in ways where you get and also love and accept ourselves right where we're at every point along the way, like that's all it takes. If you can do those two things, you can change any habit ever in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love that. And I
0: I love the clarity around that. And and really that that's an individual responsibility because nobody else can be in charge of feeling what you feel. You have to right. do that work, and whether you're on either side of the betrayal, yeah, doesn't yeah. matter. Absolutely. How about you, Lindsay?
1: Yeah, you know, I would say first of all, like I'm going to say these things in a specific order, but it doesn't mean they happen. Things happen this order, and so just yeah, sure. First of all, I think healing just it can look circular. It's in my opinion, it's not ever really linear. It's I mean, it's linear in the sense over time, but like. Like as a, you know, you know what I mean? It's average yeah, things out. But there's like, a lot
0: of ups and downs.
1: Right. Totally. And that's just, that gets to be part of it. But I would say, you know, I think the first thing is just like accepting that something happens. Not that you wanted it to happen. Just accept like toy with that idea that, like this happened. Yeah. And then kind of going to like a now what, and usually the now what might look like a lot of validation around why it's super upsetting, why it's super hard for you. And just like letting yourself feel all the feels around that. Yep. A lot of the work I do in the very beginning of, you know, working with clients is like grief work, you know, and that comes and goes, right? So it's like, we accept, Mm -hmm. we validate, of course, we process, we grieve, we find more acceptance. And all of that is done while just continually tethering ourselves to, you know, who like you kind of alluded to earlier is like, who we know we want to become more of, like who we already are. And we're just kind of clearing that smoke through a lot of that. But I think some of the most important work just comes through kind of like what Danny was saying is like, just letting yourself process and feel what emotions come up and just know that they're all absolutely valid. And you know, I always tell people like, it really has nothing to do with you if it feels like it totally has everything to do with you, that's also okay, right? Because of just so much conditioning that a lot of us have been on the receiving end of maybe since we were like two years old. So I think just letting people be where they are and knowing that's totally okay. And there's nowhere they need to go. It's just, where do you want to go? And if you are wanting change, you want that change. You have that desire, that God-given desire because it's possible. So I always let people know that like, I don't like to think that we have desire for things that aren't possible. <laughs> it's like you have desire for change and for a different life because that's available to you. So Beautiful. Yeah. Let's figure that out. So
2: good.
0: And I, I love the sort of the overtone of what you're saying, which is, you know, unless there is an immediate safety issue, let's not be in a hurry about this. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like, settle into the journey, settle into the process give yourself room, give each other room to like feel and to grow and to become non-reactive. And if there are things you need to respond to, it doesn't mean you become Mm -hmm. passive. It just means that you're doing it more thoughtfully, more in a more centered way. And again, unless there's immediate safety concerns, you need to take action. Everything else really is not going to be as urgent. You're just going to settle into a long process and uncover a lot of uh, new feelings, new awareness, new work. And to me, it's, I love the journey. I mean, I, I think that, you know, just my own personal healing journey for the last, I mean, I've been married for 25 years and mm-hmm. I know for a lot of people that, you know, that get married and they start to live with another person and start to recognize that maybe they're not as perfect as they thought they were. <laughs> and then you have other other things that come out as you start to, you know, just go into adulthood, have children and just life starts happening. Ah. And you start All of a sudden you're on a journey. You don't realize you were, but you are now. And then, you know, you throw setbacks and betrayals and other kinds of surprises into that and the goal isn't to like somehow button things up and engineer everything to where you can just like have everything in control again it's about embracing that you're still on a journey and i'm fully aware of the fact yeah. that i could have more surprises this afternoon that i wasn't aware of <laughs> yeah and
2: i want to yeah. be grounded for those yep yeah and yeah. That, that goes for for healing too like when you're yep. on your own healing like there will be continual surprises (laughs) there too. Absolutely. Like like Lindsay said, it's not linear. and, And I like the idea of the more that we can get in that observer position where we become like a scientist of our minds. Yeah. And it's more like just kind of like, let's have lots of curiosity and compassion and get to know ourselves better. That's how you learn to love yourself more is getting to know yourself better. Right. And it's not like for porn specifically, it's not like, okay, we take care of this and then we coast from there, right? Like part of what makes it sustainable to let go of porn is kind of like you just said, like embracing that continual curiosity and spirit of learning, being that scientist and being willing to experiment and play with new ideas as you go, right? Like, that's what allows you to sustainably make those changes that you're looking at. Like, like, what's the next problem gonna be when porn's no longer the problem? I like that idea, right. Wouldn't it yeah. be nice to have a new problem and let's be curious about what comes up? <laughs> yeah, absolutely,
0: yeah, exactly. Do you know that Pixar short called Boundin? Have you guys seen that one? Haven't seen mm-hmm. that one. If you have Disney Plus, you can look it up. It's called uh, Bounden and it's just a it's a a lamb that it has this beautiful coat, and then all of a sudden spring comes and the farmer comes and, and takes him away and shears him and throws him back naked and he's flipping out. Oh, yeah. And then he eventually realizes that this was going to happen every single spring and at the, <laughs> by the end of the little short, he's jumping around and ends up sticking his leg out for the farmer to grab him because he he knows the drill and he's totally accepted that this is just what, this is part of the cycle. And I, I love the, it's kind of done in a cowboy poetry style, but the lessons there are so powerful for recovery, which is, of course, nobody wants to get sheared and be naked and and uncomfortable, but the benefits and the growth and the connection and all the things that happen in this little short are just so powerful in terms of just parallels for this process of recovery, which is life. So,
2: yeah. I like like the metaphor, but... In a literal sense, like if someone cuts my hair without my permission, that's a boundary violation. <laughs>
0: You're all, buddy, you picked the wrong example. <laughs> but, but the metaphor is good. The metaphor works. <laughs> yeah, just leave my hair alone, please. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Oh my gosh, you guys are awesome. Thank you for challenging, challenging us. Thank you for validating. Thank you for just being here and sharing your journey and really opening up. A lot of new ways of thinking about this, which you guys are great at doing. And and that's that's just it. If you're listening to this, you know, my my dear listeners, if you're listening to this and there's a there's a part of you that's just irritated at something they're saying or you feel so challenged by it or whatever, slow it down. Take it in and see if you can make a space for it and, and reach out. Let's talk about it. I want you to recognize that that a lot of what works in this process is counterintuitive and we have a natural resistance to a lot of things that actually are good for us. So stay with it, slow it down, keep sorting and feeling. Danny and Lindsay, thank you so much for your time. I know you're both busy, busy professionals and parents and have a lot going on. And I just appreciate you making time for my audience. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so
2: much for
1: having us.
0: I want to thank both Danny and Lindsay for joining me on the podcast today. Just really loved talking to you guys. Thank you so much. If you want to reach out to them and find out more about what they offer, I'll put their links in the show notes so you can find them easily. As always, I want to thank all of you for the great support and ongoing encouragement you give me personally and sharing this with other people. You can find more information on my work on my website from 2 connectioncom There's past episodes of this podcast, a weekly column that I write, and then of course, lots of online courses and resources to help you along the way. I specialize in helping people rebuild trust, heal from trauma, and working with couples to build their relationship from crisis to connection. So thanks again, and I look forward to connecting with all of you in the next episode.